Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. It's hard to get excited when you're going to talk about mourning. But it is good to be here with you guys. Um, There's a few things that I wanted to share, but I just... Going to wait, they can wait. Um, One that I think is something that touches all of us. I know that today would have been Terry's birthday. And that weighs heavy on our lost dear friend, sister, uh, Colleen's uh, niece. Um, There are so many things going on, uh, even as we've mentioned, Ralph. Uh, struggling with Alzheimer's and holding on for his life and life, and it, it weighs heavy on us. And so, we're going to talk about those things. Well, not those things, but about mourning. Hold on a sec. What's that? Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would give us hearts to understand and eyes that can see what takes place beyond the things that we visibly see. And Lord, I will be less than adequate to answer the questions that we have in our hearts, but I pray that by your Spirit, you will penetrate our lives with your presence, with who you are, And that we will find hope, we will find comfort, even if we find no answers. And we thank you for your faithfulness and this time we have together. And we do ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to be talking about going to the dentist, taking a walk with my grandson, a friend in Wales. Stepping into the shower, a friend's blog, and a friend's Facebook message. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be What am I supposed to do with a statement like that? I mean, you, you read that and you think this doesn't make sense. This is something that you would naturally say, you know, it's kind of like going to the dentist. You might know that it's good for you, but I've never wanted to go to the dentist, right? There's never been a time I said, oh boy, I get to go. You know, the smell of the drill, 
you know, you guys, I see your faces. You've been there, right? You, you know that feeling where you're numb, but you still feel pressure, and then you smell, and you see smoke. Maybe that's me. Maybe I imagine smoke, but I think I see smoke. There's nothing good about it, even if the outcome is good. And the blessed are those who mourn has that same feel. It's like, what is good about mourning? There is no connection I can see from mourning and blessing. And to mourn something, you have had to have loved something and lost it. Right? It could be a home. If there was a fire or flood and you lost your home, you mourned for that or even had to move because of whatever reasons, job or, you know, the career took you out to another place. And so there's mourning of your home that you lost, a place that you built, might mourn for a job that was lost. You know, a career that you had planned and things changed and you really loved that job. You loved that position and now it's gone. I remember I had a a job that I really liked. It was close to home. It paid well. And then they went out of business and I mourned that in a lot of ways, right? It was one of these things that is like, oh no, what's going on? You can mourn losing your health. Something that you take for granted and then when it's gone, you miss those things. And of course you can mourn a life that is lost, someone who you've loved and is now gone. These are all areas that we mourn. And the tendency is to try to avoid this subject. We we want to just make it good and take mourning and make it something that's not mourning. You know, blessed are those mourning because it's really not that bad. It'll be good someday. But it just doesn't work. It's not how it works. We can't avoid it. We can't whitewash it and pretend it's something other than it really is. And Jesus never eluded these things. He never stepped away from the pain. In fact, he actually steps us right into and brings this subject up. It is something that he expressed even in himself. In Mark 14, verse 34, Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch, right? This is when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he was betrayed and about to be taken and crucified. And these words are very expressive, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It captures the feeling of mourning. And so Jesus isn't trying to shy away from this. And mourning is something that we all deal with. It's something that everyone in the world deals with. It's something that everyone tries to struggle through and find answers for. The reason Buddhism began was because how can we avoid pain? How can we eliminate pain and suffering? And so the Buddha said it was to stop being attached. If you're attached to something, then you will have the opportunity to lose it, which will bring the pain and suffering. So the less attached you are, the less you will suffer. And I'm not a Buddhist and I'm not an expert in Buddhism, so I I don't know if I've accurately captured that, but I know that's kind of the gist of those things. But here Jesus is actually stepping into it and saying, blessed are those more. In other words, you're not going to escape it. You're not going to run away from it. This is life. And no one in their right mind looks at people who are mourning and says, what a blessing. And Jesus was in his right mind. 
When he was saying these things, he knew the difference between laughter and tears. He understood the pain that is involved. But poverty, suffering, persecution, these are all unavoidable side effects of life. They are things that happen, and there is no avoiding it. And so we're stepping into this. We were wired for connection. The human mind, the neurological science says that we, from the time that we're even one day old, have these mirroring neutrons that see and image those things. And so babies smile because they see us smile and they are actually reflecting those things because they see it and they start imitating those things and they found that to be true as early as one day old. Yesterday we had a birthday party for my father-in-law. He was 80 years old and after the party I was taking my grandson Judah for a walk and he's just over two because he was cooped up into this building for a few hours and he's starting to go a little stir crazy and so I took him by the hand and started going for a walk and just like, oh, it was a great time. But then I got to the end where I needed to turn around and come back and he didn't want to come back, all right? And so then this cute little boy turns into just a stone. He just drops, right? He's just, boom, no, that's his only defense, right? He, he can't fight back. He's too small. So he just drops all his body. And so I had to pick him up. And as I pick him up, I'm carrying him, screaming, and he's crying. And he's like, no, I don't want to go. And so I have to start to distract him. And so we start looking in the windows and I start window shopping, right? Oh, look at the liquor store, you know, (laughs) it's what was there. And so I'm reading things and I'm saying, oh, look at the hairdresser. Is anyone in there? No, no one. Hello. Is anyone home? Nope. We go to the next window and I go and he says, hello, is anyone there? Nope. (laughs) He started imitating me. And of course it worked, right? He wasn't crying anymore. But he's mirroring those things, and we do that because connection is so much a part of our lives. It's something that is necessary to find fulfillment. It's how we connect, and our brain works that way. In fact, the way they punish people is separate them, right? Solitary confinement, even the most hardened criminals will break if they are left by themselves without human interaction, which is always amazing to me. It's like they're in human interaction. They're trying to kill each other. But then you separate them and they go crazy. It's like there's a lose-lose situation there. And so needing to be connected with people, we find that if you love someone, then you're going to grieve. And if you don't want that pain, you have very few choices. Choice one, refuse to love. Okay. Never open yourself to another person. Never care for anyone. Never get close to anyone. Not even a pet. Serious. I want to do some time a talk on why pets are so important to us. Because these things bring attachments. And if you bring attachment, then you bring the possibility for pain. And so one way is to refuse to love and never allow these things to be in your life. Also, let yourself love, but then numb the pain when it comes, right? Either through legal or illegal substance abuse. So she breaks up with you and you go cry in your beer, right? I think it's a song. 
I think it's a hundred songs, really. The whole idea is I hurt, so I'm going to numb. I'll drink, I'll take pills, I'll do whatever I can to stop the pain. I know people who have tried to hypnotize themselves because, or asked to so that they would not feel the pain of loss. Right? How do we numb the pain? Willpower, just force yourself to live in denial of the pain. Pretend it's not there. There are some people who, after a memorial service, remove every reminder of that person that they lost. They get rid of everything that is a picture of them, the clothing, the things that they wore, the things that remind them of it because it is too painful for them to go there. And so they just want to get rid of it and pretend almost it didn't happen. And it's not a healthy thing, of course. But these are things that if you're not going to feel pain, then these are your options. And none of them are good, right? Jesus doesn't allow us to avoid pain and grief. He walks us into it. And it's ironic that Jesus would walk us into something that actually seems to be the cause of so many people losing faith. Right? People go through things. How many times do you hear of, oh man, I just, I lost my faith when this happened to me? I, I couldn't fight the waves and hang on to faith at the same time. It was just too much for me trying to hold on to this belief that I had and deal with the hurt that I had and I just broke it. So I had to let go of this faith because the pain was too real to ignore. And yet Jesus is walking us right into that. And what we want or expect is for Jesus to just touch and heal us. I mean, that's what he did. He saw the the person who was sick and he touched and he healed them. And what we forget is that there is actually more healing in his words than there was his touch. And I wonder maybe if the people who are letting go of the faith, when they're going through the pain, they're actually making a good choice because the faith they were holding on to wasn't strong enough to carry them through the pain that they're going through. A friend of mine in Wales who I'd met and had gone over there for about three years that I had seen and interacted with him, And we went with this church group and we did a number of things. And he got very hurt by the church, a lot of legalism. He had dreadlocks and he smoked marijuana and people came down on him heavy, but he was really sincerely seeking. And I remember I I put this post on Facebook. I wrote this quote that I had heard and it was basically, it's foolish to run from God and think you can find love. And I thought it was a good quote, so I put it down. And he posted back, I ran from God and I found love. What do you do with that, right? Do you argue with him? Well, you know, I just told him, well, then it's good that you left. You see, because if God is love, whether he knows it or not, he's actually running closer 
and not further away. And maybe the God he was running from was a God that needed to be ran away from in the beginning. Maybe the faith that people are letting go of because it's not holding them wasn't a faith that was meant to hold them because the faith that is going to hold us is going to hold us in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the morning and not instead of. It's not going to bypass it. It's not going to get rid of it. It's going to be present in it. And so sometimes letting go is actually the best way to hold on. Do you guys understand me? It's how we get further. It's by letting go of all the preconceptions of what it's supposed to be like. There's a depth of soul that we can actually only discover through grief. There are lessons that sorrow alone can teach us. Without the sadness of our own, we'd be strangers to the sadness of others. Have you ever seen someone who has not really gone through anything difficult try to console someone who's going through something very difficult? How awkward it is. These little platitudes, everything's, everything happens for a reason. That's not helping me right now. Right? I'm not seeing reason. I'm not feeling reason. I, I struggle because there's so many stories I have and so many of them I, I don't want to share for various reasons. But being in ministry for many years, there are times where I was told to go to the hospital and see someone who was dying. And I would ask, well, what's happening? What's going on? They say, well, we don't know. Why am I going? Why do they want to see me? And I would go into a hospital and tell someone I'm here from the church and just about have things thrown at me, right? It's like, thank you for sending me, you know, to this place. Why did you do it? It was not a good time. It was not a good place for me to be in their life they didn't know me and i'm going to come there and bring what when they didn't want to hear it from me and it's difficult and sometimes i just i can't think of any logic there's no words i can say that are going to make things better there's no logic that justifies the statement blessed are those who mourn i don't get from a to B in that statement. It just doesn't happen. In fact, even his promise seems to fall short for they will be comforted. It's kind of like saying, blessed are those who bang their head against the wall for it feels good when they stop. All right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> it, it's not really helping me. I, I would rather not go through the pain than get the comfort But you realize that the people who never go through pain, who never struggle grief, they have nothing to offer in the area of comfort. And the real world that we all live in has pain and has grief. And so Jesus isn't trying to remove us from reality. He's trying to engage us in it, help us to see where we are and maybe understand a little bit more about where God is. And Jesus is able to connect these two experiences. 
right? Mourning and blessing. And if logic doesn't get us from mourning to blessing, we need to find a way. We need to find another way other than logic. And it occurs to me that Jesus did this continually. He's always trying to get us to think of higher thoughts. Isaiah 55, verse 8, as my ways are above the heavens, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. Right? He's trying to get us to see differently, to think differently. The human intellect cannot transcend its way to the truth of what's going on in his statement. It has a hard time grasping these things. Paul said that the things of God's spirit, they're foolishness to the natural mind. There's times where the brain goes so far and it says, no, that doesn't add up. It it doesn't make sense. So Jesus would maneuver his way around the way people normally learned, the way they normally thought. And, And our brains are constantly monitored to adjust to the circumstances that we're in. Your body does it all the time. Right? You're, you're walking and then you, you see that the grade changes. A few months back, my wife had cleaned the bathtub and she sprayed some cleaner in the tub and left it there to soak because the tub was dirty. And so I got in the shower and I stepped into the tub and it was like, how do you say this? It was slick, Right? And so I stepped in and I just went wham right into the wall. My wife heard the thud. She thought some airplane hit the house or something, right? <laughs> Boom, I hit the wall. I'm just reeling from going into the shower because it was, I wasn't expecting that. Things have changed now. Every time I step in the shower, I have a memory. <laughs> Left an impression on me, literally. And I remember the slick surface, and so I put my foot in, and I wait to see what's going on. You see, our brain adjusts these things to to try and compensate what's going on, and it's continuously figuring things out. You know, I'm stepping off the curb. I'm stepping onto, uh, you know, wet surface. All these things result, and the result is our mind is able to organize the information process and say, step more carefully. And it's our biological nature to want predictability and to have control over our circumstances. And so when difficulty and grief and pain comes, it's usually an interruption to our control. And no wonder in the face of overwhelming sorrow, we can't help but ask why, because we're trying to figure out Where did I lose control? How do I regain control? And in life, sometimes you just can't. And so we're left trying to figure out how do we maneuver now through this. And as helpful as the mental operations are for finding our ways around in the world, they don't satisfy the pain that haunts us. They don't answer the questions why. So how do we deal with loss of something that is vitally a part of our life and then gone? If we try to organize the realities, then we are going to frustrate ourselves and it's going to lead us to a faith that we have to leave because it's not strong enough to hold us through the pain that we're experiencing. So many times Jesus would do things. He would say something 
that frustrated the rational mind. That made people think, what are you saying? And then they would try to answer it literally. And he goes, no, I'm not talking about that. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. The disciples said, oh, he's upset because we didn't bring bread. He goes, no, I'm not talking about bread. If your eye offends thee, pluck it out. Huh? Take it literally and it's morbid. If you do not eat my body and drink my blood, you have nothing to do with me. And it says from then, a lot of people left. Why? It doesn't register with us. And it was meant to shock them into awareness. It was meant to jolt them into an understanding that there's something going on spiritually that you are not getting. And so here is an illustration that awakens you to what might be happening. And so as horrific as plucking your eye out sounds, then there becomes an understanding, oh, you're talking something serious here. You're saying this is very important. And he's trying to waken us to these things. It would disrupt the pattern of their thinking, force them to make that jump. And I think he's doing the same thing here. Our challenge is to discern when we need to listen to Jesus in this way by acknowledging that our rational way of thinking isn't going to get us to the place of blessing. It's going to take something else, a surrender to God's Spirit in the present moment, regardless of where he takes us, we trust that he is going to lead us. And then even if we don't understand how blessing is perfectly connected to mourning, maybe there's a chance that we can feel it. Maybe there's a chance that we can hold it even when we can't hold it mentally. You guys, I don't know any other way to explain it. I will never be able to answer your why. I can't. But maybe I can get God to hold you in the middle of the questions. A friend of mine named Sabro Foster lost his son to suicide five years ago. He has a blog, and recently his wife, Marquita, was in an accident. And he was writing in his blog about the accident, how he heard and he got the message on her phone. She said, I, am in a, I was in a car accident. It wasn't far, so he drove the four blocks to get where it was at. And I want to read you and talk about some of what is in the blog. He, he makes this quote. And there is his blog. It's called uh, Father's Grief, one fa- or Grief Observed, I believe, is One Father's Journey. If you would want to follow it, you can. He starts off with this quote from Anne Lamott. Hope begins in the dark, the stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. You wait and watch and work. You don't give up. I'm glad I got a chance to be Ethan's father. I feel lucky to have been a part of his life. It has taken five years of grieving to get to the point where I can write that with conviction. But today I know I could have lost my wife suddenly. And I thought about Ethan and losing him. Instead of thinking, I can't go through that again, I thought of how blessed I was to know him and be a part of his life. Justin, my other son, just moved out again yesterday. 
and he had moved back in after Ethan died, when I found, which I found comforting. Knowing that he was okay, and I guess I have spent five years with the visceral worry that I would lose him or my Marquita and that I would have to endure and could not endure such loss. But somehow I know that even though it break me and change me and hurt me beyond hurt, I would endure and survive until I could one day reach the point where I could say that I was glad to share his or her life. That still, even with that loss, I was lucky. That even in grief, I was blessed. When you go through and you hear and read his blog, it is brutally honest and it's beautifully written. And to go from a place where you never lose the hurt and you never lose the pain, but then you can realize the blessing, it does not make sense. But it's something that he has now experience. It's important for us too to remember who is saying this. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Jesus, the one who had been touched by infirmity. It makes all the difference who it is that makes the statement. Right? I, I think that if it was someone who we could not trust, then it would fall short. But he tells the widow who just lost her son, don't cry. I think she would have been justified to lash out at him for saying that, but it was Jesus saying that. And he had the authority to bring about the peace and to give her her son, which stopped her from crying. It's who saying it that matters too and how we can take it. Hebrews 4.15 says, we don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. It's the message translation. Take the mercy, accept the help. This is what we need. It's how we can receive that comfort in time of need. Jesus, whose voice is perfect love, perfect understanding, perfect reassurance. Jesus not only brings up painful subjects, he recognizes them. He, he calls them what they are. He creates a new context for them by inserting himself in the middle of them. And I think he is a man of sorrows acquainted with much grief that gives us the comfort that he knows and understands our grief. Jesus himself is the link between the sorrow, the mourning, and the blessing. He is both the doctor and the medicine that we need. And as the cure for our sorrow, he prescribes himself to be present with us in the midst and the pain. There's a word that we have for sadness that can't be comforted. It's inconsolable. 
And it's so tempting to leave here and give you some scriptures on comfort and scriptures on hope that will make you feel better and give a sense that, okay, you know, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. You know, he'll keep all your tears in a jar. I mean, the scripture is full of comfort and hope. But they don't take the pain away. And Jesus knows that. And he's not trying to just take the pain away. He's trying to build a foundation that will carry you through the pain. Because it's going to come. And some of you have gone through it already. And some of you have gone through it more than once. And you know that to stand, you need something stronger than yourself. And he would prescribe himself again to help deal with these things. I want to read something by Julian of Norwich. She wrote after one of her visions of Jesus, she says, Our Lord said to me, Thank you for working so hard and serving me with such dedication when you were young. These words transported me to paradise. At this point, God revealed to me three degrees of bliss that everyone who has ever served him in even the smallest degree on earth shall enjoy for all eternity. The first is that once we we are delivered from the pain of this world, God will pour his loving gratitude I want you to think about God pouring his loving gratitude on you. Do you understand the depths of a statement like that? Because if you're like me, maybe you grew up in church when, when you died, you went before a judgment seat and you had to be so good. I mean, you, you, you entered in, but you were singed, right? You just got in. And if you're, you know, okay, it was kind of like passing a test. And if you didn't meet all the requirements... Sorry, you don't make it. Oh, you got Jesus. Okay, we'll let you in. But did you ever think of God lavishing gratitude on you when he sees you? That God would thank us for loving him, for trusting him, for walking with Jesus through the hard times. I got a Facebook message from someone who I hadn't seen in years. He's just a young kid when he was coming to the church. And he sent me a message and he said, I want to thank you for the podcast. I listened to them and they've helped me now with my family and they're being used in my life and my wife's life and now our child's life. And I'm so grateful to be able to listen to them. I hadn't heard from him in years and I just thought, oh, wow, there's a a voice from the past. And, you know, it takes nothing for me to say things here. It's not costing me a lot to just be able to speak and that it affects someone and has a powerful effect on his life so much that he would write me and say thank you and it's had this effect. I'm not saying this because, oh, see what I did, guys? I'm just trying to get to the place where the things that we do have an effect. Jesus said, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. If you give a little bit, God is going to show his gratitude 
will be grateful for the little things you do. And imagine then that rippling effect that takes place that hidden in our problems is the chance to become someone great. That in the middle of these things is the opportunities where one day God will come and say, thank you. I know it was hard. I cried with you through it. I felt it just like you feel it. Thank you for being there. For them. For yourself. For holding on strong. Thank you. Do you realize that Jesus is going to thank you for your faithfulness? That he would like to thank you for saying those things. That God would like to thank us for loving him, for trusting him. When I hurt and I want to be somewhere, I want to be with the people I love and the people who love me. Because I receive more comfort from an embrace than I do from words. That I receive more comfort just holding someone who I love than anyone can say to me or explain to me or reveal to me. And that Jesus is waiting to be there and do that for us. Comfort shares a common root with the word Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit, the comforter. The point is the comfort is specifically related to a divine presence. It's related to God's presence there. Jesus Christ, who stands between heaven and earth, life and death, love and loss, is our comfort. Jesus Christ is the blessing for those who mourn. The shortest verse in the Bible says that Jesus wept. I could not worship a God who did not weep. And I'm thankful I don't have. Father, there is a lot of emotion in this subject. Lord, I see it on the faces and in the tears and in the hearts. I know some of the stories. I don't know all of them, but you do. And Lord, it is our desire that through the mornings, through the difficulties of life, to find a strength not from these problems, but in these problems. And Lord, that is where you show up. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to recognize that we will not have all the answers, that we will ask why a million times. And it's okay to ask. But the answer won't be found in the reason The comfort won't be found in an explanation. The comfort will be found in an embrace from the one who loves us and has given his life for us. And I pray that you would bring blessing to the morning that is here. I pray you would bring comfort in the middle of the pain. 
that there would be a strong presence and that the depth of our souls would become stronger because of what we've been through and because we've been through it with you. And through these things, Lord, we will come forth shining as the sun because you have carried us through. You have refined us. You have brought empathy within us that we can now love as you loved us. And we know what it's like to hurt. And we hurt for those who are in the middle of their mourning. God, bring blessing. However you can, bring blessing. I ask in Jesus' name. Let's stand. May you find hope in the struggles that you're going through, not in your ability to understand and reason through them, but may you find hope in the comfort of the comforter. For blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.